Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into a special year-end edition of the FizzCast. Tyler Aki joined alongside Jonathan Hoppy and J.D. Rauchy. And guys, it's New Year's Eve. 2018 is upon us, but it's time to look back on what a year it was in 2017, both for good and for bad for Syracuse sports. Now, I know all of us have our own top five. We're going to get to our five best moments, our five worst moments, and then we're also going to see what you out there in Fizz Nation gave us on Twitter. We're going to get to all that in this year-end podcast. First of all, guys, I'll be the first to wish you both a happy new year. And it's looking like it's going to be a a much better 2018 for Syracuse, both football, both basketball. And and we're going to get to some of that. But first of all, happy new year to both of you guys. Thank you very much, Tyler. Happy new year to you as well. And to you as well, JD, it's going to be a lot of fun here on this podcast. I'm really excited because there's always good and bad for Syracuse, but this year, especially, it feels like there was a lot of highs and a lot of lows, and we're going to break it all down. And, I know for sure our top fives aren't going to be the same. They might have some similar stuff at the top. There's a few moments you think of when you think of Syracuse sports this year, clearly. But there's a lot that happened, and it wasn't just football and basketball. A truly great year for Syracuse, but like I said, also not the best year in some aspects. And we'll break it on down, but great to be here with you guys. Yeah, excited to ring in the near year with you guys and kind of Take a look back on what was a very roller coaster, tumultuous, any kind of adjective you want to use kind of year for Syracuse sports. Certainly some downs, certainly some ups, and it's not like those downs and ups are exclusive to specific sports. We also saw them, you know, ups and downs within sports. Uh, so it, it's there's a lot to talk about, and uh, very very excited to do it with you guys. Now we're experimenting with Google Hangout right here, so we could get all three of us in remote locations right now around the holiday season to be together and do this because I really hyped this podcast up on the latest episode of Fizz Radio. So I'm really excited about what's to come. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go and and actually Drew Carter also submitted his list to me as well. So he's going to get some runtime in this as well, but we'll start with the bad and then we'll get to the good later on. And then after all of that, we'll get to the, uh, the Twitter responses that we got. And of course you can always follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes as well to get this full podcast and many more great interviews. Orange Fizz is where you got to search if you want to find all of our great content and, of course, orangefizz.net. Okay, so we'll start with the bat. I I figure we'll do this. We'll each start with – we'll go in a a circle kind of and give our – we'll count them down, five to one, and we'll each start with our fifth, then we'll each go with our fourth and so on and so forth. All right? Sound good to you guys? Sounds great. Let's do it. All right. Do you want me to go first? Should I yeah, start it off right here? You go first. Are you go ahead. Get Drew as well. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll do I'll read off Drew's for you guys, but we'll do his last in the rotation. All right. So my fifth worst thing that happened to Syracuse sports this year: Mike Hopkins leaving for Washington. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that uh, one. Yeah, I. You know, a, a lot of uh, this was kind of weird for me. I was debating where to put this because it's obviously in the bad, but at the same time, you got to feel good for a guy like Mike Hopkins, like. Yes, this is really bad, and this really sucks for Syracuse because I really like the way that he is going to take this program, and 
He's had some early success with Washington. He got the big win against Kansas so far, but losing Mike Hopkins on your staff is huge. He was the recruiting guru and all that. And now it's up to guys like Red Autry and Jerry McNamara to pick up the slack there, but losing Hop was big. And uh, I think that's going to be, that's one that's really going to stick with me as what happened. One of the worst things that happened in 2000, uh, in 2017 for Syracuse. So hop number five. My number yeah, five. Think, uh, oh, Mike Hopkins. We'll go with you, Hoppy. You're <laughs> up. You're up. Uh, yeah, I think Mike Hopkins was a really bad thing for Syracuse, Tyler, for sure. For me, another former coach, Scott Schaefer, walking out of the Good Carrier one. Dome with a victory cigar after the game. Players said they were rattled by Schaefer, even though he was up in the booth, wasn't even down on the field. They couldn't get him out of their heads. Just a strange scenario for Schaefer to come in with Middle Tennessee, and they really kicked Syracuse's butts. It was just 30-23, to 23, but that just had a bad feeling in everybody's mouths. Here we are, Dino Babers, trying to get the year off right, trying to win the first three games, and, of course, losing to Middle Tennessee's statement. They weren't going to do that. For me, that's number five, just a bad feeling when Scott Schaefer left the Carrier Dome with the win. For me, number five, and the reason I have it so low is because overall it's a positive thing, but for the program specifically, it's not. My number five, Alexis Peterson and Brittany Sykes heading to the WNBA. Uh, you know, that they were the top scoring backcourt in the country last season for Syracuse women's basketball. A fantastic pairing. Uh, just brought all kinds of success to Syracuse. Got them to a national title game two years ago, and then were able to get them into the NCAA tournament again last season. And them leaving the program kind of, it takes some of that orange collar mentality out of the program. And Coach Q is certainly in rebuilding mode. It's off to a good start so far this season for women's basketball. But Alexis Peterson and Brittany Sykes leaving to the WNBA uh, is my one of my worst things that happened to Syracuse this year. That, that's a pretty good one right there because I, I don't think a lot of Syracuse fans went out and watched Brittany Sykes. But she, her, she might be the best women's basketball player I've actually seen in person. Yeah, she's really good. She had a she had a rookie of the year type year in the WNBA. Finished second in the rookie of the year voting. So she had a fantastic season, and just kind of you know, there's a lot of good players on this new Syracuse women's basketball team. You look at Tiana Mungakahia and Miranda Drummond, and then if you imagine Mungakahia, Drummond, Sykes, and Peterson all on one team, that's a dangerous team. So if they had just been if they had just lined up a little bit more. The Syracuse women's basketball program could have been so much better than it already is, and it's already a really good team. Yeah, I'll say Coach Q is doing a great job so far this season. When you lose players like that, it's always going to be tough, and they just took it at Notre Dame, number two in the country, and they held their own. So I'm interested to see what they can do this year as well. I'll get to Drew. Now this is Drew's. He says Tyrone Sampson decommitting as the fifth mm -hmm. worst thing. I that, almost I almost I, included I, it on my list. top five, though. I right. It's higher in mine, for sure. I almost didn't include it on my list. I decided to go against including it because there's still a chance that he comes back. But no, and having him, listen, no, there, he still says he loves it. Okay, I mean, I guess you could look at it that way and just have that play semantics and be very technical. But the fact that he's still keeping Syracuse very much in consideration, that's, fair. that's, fair. Uh, that's why it didn't quite crack my top five. All right. Let's move to number four. My fourth worst moment is actually Tyron Sampson decommitting. So that's a good segue into that when we've already hit on that. So, Hoppy, you're up. All right. This is kind of a surprise, but I was thinking about the men's lacrosse season. It was such a great season, but it kind of tapered off at the end. 
So my number four is when number one Syracuse lacrosse lost to UNC in the ACC tournament semifinals. They trailed 13-4 to at halftime, and it seemed like the team that had won all those one-goal games was finally getting exposed. And we know after that point, they really weren't the same team, ended up losing to Towson in the NCAA tournament. So for me, at North Carolina in the ACC tournament semifinals, that was down in North Carolina, came back and won, you know, the cardiac cues like they were for so much of the season, but they didn't, and that's why that comes in on number four on my list. Yeah, I pretty much have the same same thing here. For me, number four uh, was postseason lacrosse. It starts with that ACC tournament semifinal. They just came out and just looked flat. They looked disinterested, and North Carolina absolutely clobbered them in the first half. Yeah, they made a comeback a little bit there, but, you know, having that kind of bad taste in your mouth and then losing to a Towson team that's good, they're, they're good, but it, it's it's a team that Syracuse historically should beat. And there was just so much so much good surrounding the Syracuse lacrosse program, and then the postseason kind of took all that good taste out of your mouth and put the bad taste in. So number four on my worst list is postseason lacrosse. Yeah, that's the thing, J.D., is it was just like it was kind of a hoax. I mean, this team was so good, number one in the country. But were they that good? Uh, that's the that's thing. The thing. Like, like, we don't know how good they really were because they were all like they're battle tested and, right. and you can't take that away from them. And it crashed and burned right in the fans' faces. Right. And the team failed to make it to the semifinals, the final four of the tournament yet again. So not a great season, even though they were number one for much of it. Drew's number four is similar to JD's number five. SU women's basketball getting screwed with an eight seed and second round matchup with UConn yeah. in the NCAA tournament last year. What a way or what a terrible way for Peterson Sykes and the Day Twins to all go out. Seriously, what a uh, joke! How how the thing? Yes, they weren't an eight. They were not an eight seed caliber team. They were much higher than that. But the thing about that is, let's be honest. Like yes, UConn didn't win the championship last year. We all know that. But beating UConn is the biggest accomplishment you could do in that sport. And that, that was bigger than beating or than actually winning the championship. Oh, yeah. For my money, because, Mississippi state won the whole thing. Exactly. Year, right? Like <laughs> I was, as I was, yeah, South Carolina, who cares thing, about them? As I was ready to present this whole thing, I was thinking who even won. And then I remembered it was South Carolina, but Don Staley's running a great program. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, it sucks that, they play UConn back-to-back years, and you play UConn in the second round, but all roads go through UConn. So if you can't beat them yeah, in the second round, Yeah, but you just like – but you just like to – I don't know. Man. Here's the thing. They shouldn't have – they shouldn't have – All the way to the Final Four. Here's the other thing, though. They shouldn't have had to play them UConn in stores. Game too, I think, of that. Yes, they shouldn't have had to play them in stores. They should have at least been able to play them at a neutral site. Yeah, I mean, they were they playing at Gaffle Pavilion. a draw, to say the least. Yeah. I mean, oh, goodness, just not good stuff. That's right. a good one from Drew. Third worst. Mine is the Eric Dungy injuries continue. He gets the right foot surgery. It seems like Syracuse might be heading to a bowl. He plays really well against uh, in the second half against Miami, almost gives the Orange a chance to beat the Hurricanes. And then moving forward, he puts them in the game against Florida State, a game that Syracuse really needed. And then it just all goes downhill from there after the bye week. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, Eric Dungy just – it's so frustrating to watch it, him play. It's so frustrating. It's so annoying because we say he's injury-prone, and usually when you say somebody's injury-prone, it's surrounding one area. Like, 
They are right. their back is injury prone or they're in they're prone to concussions. Dungey's just a walking piece of glass, apparently, because he's every single part of his body's hurt. He hurt his foot. He's had two two or three concussions. He's like he he's like probably like one or two concussions away from medical disqualification. Like he's just it's it's so frustrating watching Eric Dungey because when he is good, he is so, so good. He didn't have a reported concussion this year though, right? No, I don't think so. But he's still I don't think he did. But I gotta tell you, I agree with that one hundred percent. Tyler, that's a good one. And we gotta give you credit. You know, you were in on Eric Dungey before a lot of people were. And there's no denying that. Eric Dungey was so good this year for Syracuse and like you said, one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC. You saw it coming early on, and he proved that, but unfortunately, he could not stay healthy. Really quickly, my number three, we've already talked about it. That's Tyrone Sampson decommitting, reopening his recruitment. Not what you want to see. You had those big guys coming in, Kadir White and Sampson. That's not going to happen anymore. I don't care what you say about Sampson possibly coming back. It's not going to happen. He's going to Indiana, Michigan, Michigan State. No reason he listen, his coach, listen, his coach said that Michigan and Michigan State, as of national signing day, were not in the were not in the in the mix. There's they haven't offered yet, I don't believe. Right. There is still a but lot they, of they definitely can. I mean, if Jim Harbaugh or or um, listen, somebody's Mark Antonio, in the mix. Yeah. There 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 are still questions to be answered. That again, that's right. why he didn't make it into hey, my list. If you're listening, Tyrone Sampson, you want to come back, please. Our arms are open. Wide open. Kadir White. Hey, that's coming from that's coming from an all-conference offensive lineman too. (laughs) It's also it's also coming that his his hey his running mate Kadir White can cook a mean steak. He told us. Yeah. So Tyrone, if you want some steak, come to Syracuse because Kadir White can cook it for you. Okay, you figure my, they would room together too, right? That like would it make makes too much sense. The two top, top two recruits, recruits both offensive linemen. linemen. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Hey, for New York Giants fans listening, new GM Dave Gettleman comes in. He preaches it. Got to start with the hog mollies, as they call them, as he calls them, I should say. Dave Gettleman, really funny guy to listen to. You should look up his stuff. But <laughs> it all starts up front. Got to get the new line of scrimmage. And Syracuse should have an opportunity to do that with Kadir White. But Tyrone Sampson could only make it better. My right, number Jamie, three. Up, right? Yeah, my number three and my worst five uh, came at the start of this academic year. Torian Thompson transferring Ooh. to Seton Hall. I that completely missed it that one. Hurt, That's a good one. It hurt well, my heart seeing Torian Thompson leave because I thought he had so, so, so much potential. And the way this season is going I, with yeah. Barama Sadibe not playing bodies, that much, being injured. At this point. You need a, you need another you need another big that can play significant minutes and give you some sort of offensive production, and that's exactly what Torian Thompson is. There's still so many questions as to why he transferred, who influenced his, his decision, et cetera, et cetera. But Torian Thompson leaving, I think, was a big blow to the Syracuse basketball program that, with the way this season's going, not enough people are talking about. He, he could have made a serious impact for this team. He probably would have been starting over Matthew Moyer. Maybe wouldn't, we wouldn't be he seeing – He wouldn't be starting, yeah. We, maybe we wouldn't be seeing the kind of season that Matthew Moyer's having if – Torian Thompson stayed, but he was so good, a great shooter, stretched the floor. That's my number three is when Torian Thompson decided to transfer to Seton Hall. And he was, what, 6'10", 6'11", and long as hell, too. He's, he's very that, – That's he's perfect. Incredibly talented and fits fits exactly what Syracuse needs right now. Some offense. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah. He had some offense. Some sort of shoots. shooting. 
none of it right now for the most They're shooting 30% from three-point range. That's so bad. I don't even think it's there. You're giving them too much credit. No, I'm pretty sure it's right on the dot, 30.0%. But Is it? Yeah, it's it's ugly. It's not good, and Torian Thompson could have helped. That's a good one. I completely skipped out on that one. All right. Um, Next up. Drew. We need to get Drew's third. Drew's. Drew's. He says, 15-loss Vanderbilt getting a nine seed while Syracuse misses the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just, not good. And that made no sense. I mean, Vanderbilt. And then maybe maybe Ken Palm. Maybe Ken Palm liked Vanderbilt more. But how can you like Ken Palm? Like, what, where? <laughs> no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm play, just, they play in the I'm just making the – no, no. I'm just making the joke because oh. Drew's obsessed with Ken Palm. I don't know. I don't know what Ken Palm said about <laughs> Vanderbilt. Would that be a taste of what a drop. That would have been hilarious. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, yes, Syracuse didn't have a great year last year, but they were better than Vanderbilt. They, they were, were better than a lot of teams in the tournament. Oh, that, that's right. Northwestern beat Vanderbilt, even though they maybe shouldn't have won that game. But And then Northwestern gives uh, Gonzaga a run for its money. And then we had crying Northwestern fan meme. What a, yeah, what a moment. Exactly. I remember watching that live. Excellent stuff. And I think Northwestern would have handily beat Syracuse in that game, too. So it really doesn't matter. But tournaments are tournaments. You never know. Maybe maybe no, the Cats couldn't handle that 2-3 defense. That's right. These are some good ones. I'm liking these. Yeah. Um, it's going to get that, a little more that, predictable as we head to the top, but that's fine. Yeah. That, that segues into my number two moment. Syracuse basketball's crashing end to hoop season. You miss the tourney, and then you lose to Ole Miss. Like, Syracuse Rebels. is uh, clearly the better team that – they just got Inside outplayed. The atmosphere was terrible. Well, because that, it was, was there was like there was about twenty no feet of snow there. outside. It was like negative seventeen degrees, and yeah. it was in the middle of March. <laughs> middle of March. Who wants to see Syracuse Ole Miss? And then Syracuse, of course, falls. Nobody. That was terrible. That 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 was. I don't know. That's an all timer in terms of bad Syracuse seasons under Bayheim. Bad look for the program. Just the non-conference. Oh, I, I wish just, the non-conference was in 2017 because that'd be number one. Because that non-conference, yeah, that non-conference that, slate yeah. was just so so bad. They lost by what, like, like 35 to St. John's? Anyone, yeah, I was gonna say if anyone put the St. John's loss in there, that's perfectly valid. Oh God, that was that's so bad. Worst 2017 basketball. If you count the back end of last year and the first part of this year. Looks pretty good. I mean, you're it's yeah. not many. I mean, yeah, they look like a tournament in team. In my top five, I tried to avoid putting single singular games. Now it's obviously different in the top five. Uh yeah, the top five really is good. is very you different. Have to, but, I mean, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. But, yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's a perfect segue into my number two then, because I tell you, I put a singular game, and it was Wake Forest football. Oh, uh, yeah. so bad. Of Wake Forest What a football. disaster. And, J.D., I know you were in the Dome covering oh, that Oh, man. I in the Dome. It was ugly. A long game. Second half, if I need to remind you, SU was oh, outscored 40-5. to five. And How do you even score five the points? Block, the blocked extra point, yeah. Yes, scoop, oh, scoop. Yeah. For the first time ever in yes. program history. The only good part that came out of the Wake Forest game. They gave up like 600 all-purpose yards to John Wolford. Oh, well, hey. Wolford's pretty good. good. I got to tell you, he, he's gotten He played well yesterday. Who did they play I, yesterday? They played A&M in Charlotte and one of the best bowl games of the season, and Wake Forest came out with the win. Yeah, he played well. He had like but over 400 yards. Wake Forest proved to be a good team. Clawson's doing a good job, but that was an embarrassing game for Syracuse on all fronts, and the defense was horrendous. What we thought it was going to be coming into the year 
The defense was great to start the year and for a lot of the middle part of the season, but at the end against Wake Forest, and it really goes to all of the last three or four games of the season, you finish on a losing streak again. Another 4-8 and eight season, and I know Dungy got hurt again, so there goes that, but that Wake Forest game, that was really bad. I mean, the second half, that is not that a was, good look for Dino Babers or anybody. That was worse than Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, and it was way. I, I'd say it's. So I'd far, say it's but. way worse. My number two, very similar to yours, Hoppy. My number two is everything after the bye week for football, because <laughs> yep. they imploded and just couldn't. So like half the season, <laughs> they <laughs> they just couldn't do anything. The Wake Forest game was awful, but one game I want to talk about was the rainstorm, lightning storm disaster that was the Louisville game. Lamar oh. Jackson throttled them so 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 badly there are two plays that stick out to me specifically that make that game so bad the first one was about i'd say it was probably like a 60 yard touchdown pass from lamar jackson to one of his receivers i no i'm not talking about that one there was one later in the game this is like third quarter and lamar jackson throws a fantastic pass yeah it was a really good ball right in his receiver's hands but it goes right over Rodney Williams' head, and he barely even puts his arms up. He literally had to put his arm up maybe two or three inches higher, and he would have deflected the pass and nothing would have happened. But there, it, he just didn't even look interested in trying to deflect the pass and stop the play. That's one play from the Louisville game that really upset me. The second one was when Brian Ward, who the week before the Wake Forest <laughs> game, got named to the list for top assistant in the country as the defensive coordinator for Syracuse football. Then the Wake Forest game happened, and you're like, wow, that's a joke. And then Louisville happened, and you're like, wow, this is even bigger of a joke. Reggie Bonifon, who's played quarterback, wide receiver, running back for Louisville over the past couple of seasons, he was playing running back in this game, somehow leaked out on a screen, or not a screen, leaked out on a wheel route, and somehow Brandon Berry, a defensive tackle, was in coverage on this uber athlete with incredible speed, and he went for a touchdown. It was just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, and it just showed to me that Syracuse football just, at the end of the season, they just didn't, it didn't look like they cared. It didn't look like they wanted to compete. I don't know what happened in the bye week. I don't know if Wake Forest was really that big of a problem. But it was so, so ugly the first, last couple of games of this season. Let's get to Drew's as I pull it back up. One second. Um, yeah, J.D., I mean, what happens after the bye week? That's the real question because – Dino Babers, two years in, has not won a game after the bye week. And, and I don't want to go. I don't want to go at Dino because I love him so much, and I think he's such a good coach and such a good human being. But he's got to get the job done next year. No, I, I like Dino. I, too, think, he and will. I think he's the right guy. But you've got to win after the bye. That's the sign of a good team, right? One that gets better as the season goes on. And there goes that thing again. When you don't have your quarterback, how are you supposed to get better? But. You know, that's just a part of the equation at this point. Your other guys have to rally. All right, here's Drew's. We're on number two, right? Yep. Number two, okay. He said, St. Bonaventure fans chanting SBU in the Dome as if their team has made the tournament more than once in the past 15 years. Drew, Drew's bringing out some salt on these. I'm not reading all these verbatim. That one I did. Drew. That's uh, there for Drew. Number two. For one that's a little, that seems a little silly. I will say, though, the last. <laughs> that's pretty pathetic, though. It is. No, like, because remember, it happened in the Buffalo game, too. 
It was a, there was a snowstorm. Yeah, you could throw that right in there too because Buffalo had some nice fan support. Granted, Syracuse students were on break, but. It doesn't matter. Somebody show up. The Bonnies came in, the Bonnies came in, in the middle of a snowstorm and somehow an ice storm, snowstorm. It was a, a combination of the two and they still make the trek all the way from Olean. So. Yeah, the, that, the crowd support has not I mean, been. I guess the Bonnies will always get solid fan support at this at a game like Syracuse but because that's it's like their yeah. Super Bowl that's the biggest team they're playing I mean the A10 is actually pretty good now but still like the best team you're going to play in the A10 is probably like Rhode Island who made a run in the NCAA tournament last season and was pretty good but it's like their Super Bowl but yet I mean the Buffalo game the St. Bonaventure game either they're being louder than the Syracuse fans or they're just more of them and it's a li- little bit embarrassing considering how good Syracuse was in the non-conference this season. Well, you know what was worse than the St. Bonaventure fans chanting in the Carrier Dome, and even the refs for that matter, that was the offense for Syracuse. One of the worst offensive games for SU basketball in recent memory. It was plain unwatchable at times. Also, and it has been this season at times. Their defense in the really first bad. half. Jalen Adams put up 21 in the first half. He's really good. He didn't do anything in the second half. That, that's great, but, like, you can't let him put up 21. At the free throw line. That's like, even that, worse. That was a weird game. Play that better was a weird defense game. in overtime and don't foul. I like that from Drew, though. That game deserves to he's be cre- He's creative. That, he's... that was so bad. Listen, no, here's the thing. to do with the St. Bonaventure game. That would have been better. Here's the thing. I really don't think the St. Bonaventure game is that bad of a loss for Syracuse. Considering what they did in the non-conference last year, the Boston—I mean, not the yeah, Boston—that's no, 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 no. the yeah, exactly. Completely agree. St. Bonaventure's well, a good basketball so team. Bad. That's the problem is they looked awful. So sure, it's just one bad loss. They also got so banged up. But they just looked incompetent at times. Their offense is not good. Something we can definitely talk about moving forward here, though. Yeah. All right. Are we ready for number one? Here are we, we ready go. To number wrap one. Up bad. Excited. Let's wrap it up. All right, my worst moment, and I have a feeling this is going to be common between all of us, or at least at least one other person. Uh, Coach Mack dies. Ooh, uh, Syracuse, one of the best coaches in Syracuse history. He has the perfect season. That was uh, you could tell how much that meant to the Syracuse community. Of course, they have the patch on the jerseys, the the emblem on the field as well. So that's my number one as the worst moment for Syracuse in 2017. That's a that's a really good one. Not Definitely uh, not something I would have thought of, kind of similar to how you didn't think of the Torian Thompson thing. That kind of just yeah. glossed over my mind for me. That's a really good one. I wasn't thinking that's really, really? good. So no one else had that anywhere? No, no. that's big picture stuff. I was uh, thinking okay. more of, of bad moments on the field, on the court, yeah. and thematically like that. But that's obviously a tough moment, and – they honored his legacy in a great way, so happy to see that. But for me, number one, we've talked about it, the NCAA tournament. The conference play for Syracuse this season, last season I should say, this year, 2017, was so much fun. Great moments, great wins in the Carrier Dome, Virginia, Florida State, Duke, the list goes on and on. And it was really great. All of a sudden, you get to the NCAA tournament. The review says Syracuse is not in it. And it just felt like the program got stabbed in the back after getting in a season prior with maybe not as good of a resume and making it to the Final Four. Just a terrible moment, and that group worked so hard and fans were so excited just to see them make it to the NIT. 
Yeah, that's my number one, too, is missing out on the NCAA tournament. And I think it's an interesting point that you bring up, Poppy, is the fact that fans were excited. Fans thought, this is a team that can make a run. This is a team that can beat pretty much Three anybody. Three top ten wins. Listen, this is a team that can beat pretty much anybody on any given night. And then to have that kind of taken away from them, it, 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 it it's just frustrating to watch. Uh, it's it's frustrating to send out guys like John Gillen and Tyler Roberson and Daywan Coleman and uh, and Andrew White and then of course Tyler Lydon all out on a sour note losing to Ole Miss in the NIT. So I agree that's probably the worst moment of the year for Syracuse uh, sports, along with Coach Mack dying. I think that one um, kind of looks more big picture. But on the playing surface, I think that lo- not making the NCAA tournament is probably the worst. I just going off that point, all the send the send off for those guys. I'm starting to think about that Syracuse team. Was anyone super attached? Like, was the fan base really super attached to anybody on that team? Like, I think, think they should listen. You they should have been grad transfers. They should have been more attached. They should have like, been more attached. Daywan Coleman, who granted right, has had his problems. That, that's the one that's kind of the the line in the sand for me. He worked it, his butt Daywan, off. He had he to work oh. so hard. He had to overcome yeah, no, so many injuries. Guy. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you day one. I'll give no, you he day was one. probably the most. I mean, the problem yeah. is Tyler Lydon was such a vanilla guy. You know, he was right. just and, – Except and he for Rico. Draft and no one ever likes it when these kids go to the draft early anyway. Which is so. stupid, but it's fine. They're just trying to better themselves. But, hey, if we want to just lock them down in the frozen tundra, then you can try to do that. It's not going to work. Can anybody think of something we missed? Because I have one that's come to mind. What about Drew's number one? What's Drew's Oh, Drew's worst? number one. I completely blanked. Uh, he has Wake Forest eviscerates Syracuse for 63 Ooh, points. good word. I like, I like that, I like that word. <laughs> All right, Merriam-Webster. Thesaurus.com. But, yeah, I can think of one that we all missed that I thought would maybe get into somebody's. I'm excited to hear this one. Geno Thorpe. And no, that's not a top five moment for me. I mean, here's the thing. And we'll never know how bad it was. Right. That's what I think. That's the thing though. Like they're down so many bodies at this point. That's why I put Torian Thompson in because yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not quite like that because we saw what Torian Thompson can do. We never got a chance to see what Gino could do. Cause so so Gino could have just rode the bench for the rest of the season and made no contribution or Jim Beheim could have given him more minutes and he still could have been awful. So the reason I that I don't the flashes that we saw though, it would have been worth it to just have him hang around. I mean, sure. Def- definitely now considering the amount of injuries and the speculation surrounding Burama Sidibe after the last couple of games, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else that you guys think we missed in terms of worst moments? Can't think worst of anything. Moments. Not, not, not really. I mean, the field right. hockey team wasn't great. They usually yeah, are. The uh, men's soccer team. Yeah, went... the men's soccer team was pretty bad. <laughs> pretty oh, they imploded, yeah. But, yeah. like, not nothing right. nothing that would make my top five. No, nothing of, of too much interest. All right. Let's go to the good. You ready? Here we go. All right, let's do it. Let's brighten people's day. After all that talk of all the negative stuff, the positives in 2017. I, something just came to mind, and I think I have to – so uh, on Fizz Radio this week, top five. yeah, I think I, I'm going to call a last second audible. So uh, I gave my top five on Fizz Radio, but I'm, I think I'm going to get rid of my my number five. 
My my old number five was Syracuse football's moral victories, just because it was fun. Oh, it was, it was fun. I'd say it that's in the bottom fun. five. It was fun to watch them lose to LSU by nine points. Oh yeah, that was that so was great fun. To fun. Watch Sean it was Riley so fun. that touchdown. Gosh, that was fun. Because you knew they were right there, and they easily could have won that game. <laughs> they dominated that game. They sure. dominated it. I wouldn't say that's fun. I'd say that's depressing. But go on. A lot of questionable okay. decisions in that game. Bad Anyways. calls. A lot of drops. Okay, my go. my new number five, not being named in the FBI scandal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I That's guess so. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna add a. It's better than moral victories. I'll give you that. I'm gonna add an honorable mention to my top five. Rick Pitino getting canned. Do it at the end. Do it at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Save it because I'll save it. Sorry, sorry. Okay, 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 okay. I've got a lot of honor. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. We'll get to all our honorable mentions at the end. Okay, for me. Number five, picture this. Syracuse wins four games in a row, all in the ACC. They're down at Clemson, down by two. Clock's running out. Kick it out to your freshman. Tyus Battle hits the buzzer beater. That's the number five moment for me. Fifth win in a row for Syracuse. Things starting to really feel good about this program and their chances to make the tournament this season. That comes in at number five, that Tyus Battle buzzer beater at Clemson. That's a good one. And people forget he was not playing well up to that point. He was still kind of battling some sicknesses too. That that I I I was wondering where I would put that in. But I do have a similar game to that. Okay. My number 5. We're going away from some of the sports we normally talk about. How about Syracuse volleyball this season? Oh, boy. how about it? 26 Let's look at back at 2016 what Syracuse volleyball did. Their record 2016 was, or 2017? We're looking at 2016 so we can compare okay, it to okay. 2017. 2016, Syracuse Volleyball goes 7-23. and 23. They okay. won 23% of their games in 2016. Now we flash forward to 2017. They go 22-14, and 14, win 61% of their games. That's a humongous step up. Santita Bonguese was fantastic. They've got a lot of other really great uh, volleyball players on this Syracuse team. Bell's <laughs> volleyball players. That was a little, little awkward. But listen, hey, this is good. This is the good jump, the jump that they had. Anastasia Gorellano was great. She's a junior. She'll be back next season. Bell Sand, unfortunately. Bell Sand, unfortunately, uh, is going to be graduating after this year. But there is a lot to look forward to with Santita Bonguese and Anastasia Gorellano moving on to their senior seasons. Uh, Lennon Yellen might have uh, might have might have something special on his hands with the Syracuse volleyball team. So their uptick in production is my number uh-huh. five best thing that happened to Syracuse sports this season. How this many of those people did you have to look up? I knew. Well, listen, I knew Bell Sand, and I knew. <laughs> listen, I knew Bell Sand, and I knew Santita Abong would say. I had to look up Gorilla's first name. I did not know her first name, but I did know All right. her. All right, I'll so, my hand to that. Nice work, Drew's, Thank Drew's you. Drew's fifth best. Is this one's actually kind of weird, but I like it. All Jimmy of these Beheim have been weird. It's his first shot of 2017 right in front of his dad. I'd say that's a negative. It was for the other team. No, really? but, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm too. kidding. But I'm then kidding. You think about it. Like, it was a cool moment. It was a really cool moment. Fans, like, they've grown up around Jimmy Beheim. Like, even though he plays for Cornell, I feel like they still consider him one of their own. Yeah, I mean, so for him to do that, like that's awesome. Literally, his entire life, he has been around the Syracuse program, right? So, so definitely, no, a, I like that. I like that number five. 
definitely the Bayheims a cool are moment. Syracuse. So to see Jimmy right. hit a shot in the Carrier Dome right in front of his dad, that was a cool moment for the school. You'd have to say that considering Bayheim is practically the athletic program or has been up until now. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, so we're moving on to four. Number four. Oh, okay. Here we go. Um, my number four is Syracuse basketball's National Signing Day. That was huge. Yeah. You locked down, you locked down Baisley after he, he decommits from Ohio State, and he cruises up the rankings. That's big. He's going to be a stud. Jalen Carey's looking awesome. I think he's going to be really good, and he's going to provide s- some competition at that point guard position for the future with Howard and – um, and Howard Washington as well. So I like what Jalen Carey is going to bring. I, you want, you want as, any, as evidenced by this season, you need surplus at every position. So that, and then, of course, Buddy Beheim. that's going to be fun, and we'll get to that more later on. But that, 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 I thought National Signing Day for Syracuse was huge this year. You've got a really good class coming in, and this is a program that you look at a lot of these guys, and if most of the pieces come back next year, which it, it, it's looking very likely it will, and then you combine them with who's coming in, it's looking like a very solid team for 2018-2019. Right. Well, Tyus Battle's probably not coming back. But right. if you listen to what I just said, I said that Bayheim was the face of the athletic program, and then I kind of hesitated and said, up until now, because there was kind of that lingering thing with the new contract, how long he'd be coaching. But this 2018 recruiting class, reaffirms that Beheim still has it. He yep. can go get that big recruit. That's why it was such a big deal for me. And I, that's actually number three. And not to put a uh, scandal at the same rankings. time. No, it was really good to kind of get some positive energy into the SU basketball program, get, some, get people something to look forward to. But that's number three for me. Number four, Justin Knight. First individual NCAA champion in SU cross-country history. J.D., you just talked about the volleyball program, another team that's really good. That's cross-country. And for Justin Knight to receive that recognition, that's great to see. It's good for SU athletics. A lot of time, those second- and third-tier teams don't always put up the best products, or at least in recent memory. Some teams like field hockey are good, so maybe I'm not giving people enough credit. But for the cross-country team at Justin Knight, people knew his name. If you're a Syracuse fan, you knew about Justin Knight. To see him get rewarded – that was big time. That comes in at number four for me. Yeah, that's a really, really great moment. He'll come up later in mine. My number four, lacrosse beats number one Notre Dame on the road. That was a good game. It was yeah, an, that's a, good a really, really that's great a, that's game. That's a really good one. Because Notre Dame had a lot of talent and was an excellent lacrosse program this season. And it kind of proved it was in the middle of that, uh, you know, one goal, cardiac cues kind of thing that Syracuse lacrosse had going on. And it kind of proved that they people were questioning, you know, is Syracuse lacrosse actually back? Are they as good as their wins are suggesting? They're all close. This one kind of proved that, hey, they can fight with the big dogs. They're kind of back. Evan Malloy had a great game in that game, kind of proved that he could be the goalie for Syracuse lacrosse. So beating number one Notre Dame in South Bend on the road is my number four moment for Syracuse sports this season. Drew's number four. Matthew Moyer wakes up from an early season coma for a sick putback over the entire state of Connecticut. <laughs> I don't know if I put that number four, but like it was a cool moment. It was a cool individual cool moments. moments. No, and Drew's top five, this is good stuff. It's really like 
stuff that you don't really think about as a top five. But then when you really dissect it, that was a great moment. In the, the three game, after this are pretty out. standard, but I mean that's a good one. Matthew Moyer is going to be key for this team in ACC play to see him show his potential. A lot of people were questioning him, but he broke out in a big way. I like that one from Drew. It's a good I one. I also think that I mean Matthew Moyer just loves that old Big East. He played unbelievable against UConn, and then he plays unbelievable against Georgetown too. That he was so good against those two teams. I, he must have a longing for that old Big East. That's what I'm saying. Well, he played he's the proto- to ask him about that. Listen, so, right? he's the prototypical Gatorade player of the year. Maybe he uh, watched some Big East tape, UConn, Syracuse. He's All these the... kids watch the, the old Requiem for the Big East, too. They know it means Oh, my gosh. The Requiem, it you came guys, on the other whenever night. Whenever you ask them, are, is this still a rivalry, they always bring up the Requiem for the Big East. Which is a little always. bit of a cop-out. A little bit of a cop-out. It is, yeah, it is. But the Requiem for the Big East is such a good film. Oh, man, yeah. is it good. Bayheim gets a shot in there. Does he? I, I forget I forget who's talking about him, but um, it, it was the day that uh, Dave Gavitt dies in that whole scene, and they were saying, if Gavitt saw Bayheim leave for the, for the ACC, that would have been the thing that killed him. I mean, he also, at the end of that, it's the last Big East championship game in, in basketball. Yeah. It was against uh, it was against Georgetown, and JT3 right. is talking, and he's like, he said something along the lines of, I can't believe they're heading to the ACC for a couple of extra dollars. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, that seems a little unnecessary. I think Georgetown was just a little, uh, little bit jealous that they didn't get invited because they just have an awful football program. Do they have a football program? Yeah, they're. I think uh, it's FCS. It's FCS. <laughs> yeah, or like yeah, D one double A or whatever they call it. Let's see. We're on three. We are on oh. three here. All right. I don't think anyone else is gonna. Ha- I didn't think anyone else was gonna have this one, but Drew kind of gave it an honorable mention. Uh, Syracuse versus NC State in basketball last. That's year. a good one. Yeah. Remember the John Gillen game. game. This game was on National Signing Day, so we didn't have a ton of coverage of it. But John Gillen explodes, 43 points. He goes 9 of 10 from 3. And then he hits that unbelievable shot at the end to send it to overtime. Like, Syracuse should not have won this game. No, he had John a great Gillen year. won it for them at the end. He had and, a and great game. And this was game. just a high-scoring game. Yeah. In regulation, it was tied at 87. And then Syracuse goes on to win 100 to 93. Right. He was unbelievable. This is also in the middle of that long free throw streak. He goes 14 of 14 from the line in this game. Also has nine assists. And then uh, Andrew White was unbelievable, especially in the overtime period. He has 28. So those two pretty much do the entire thing by themselves. And and that was just an unreal game to watch. And I think that's one that people aren't going to remember, but they really should because that was a fun game. Yeah, And it was against a good player like Dennis Smith on the other side. Yeah, pretty I mean, good. He, he's an unbelievable player. Certainly. 13 points, 11 rebounds, 15 assists. So he had a triple-double against Syracuse. One of, I think he had, what, like three or four last year? Yeah. You just don't see triple-doubles at the college level. And he yeah, was he an had unbelievable a, he player. Had a fan, he had a fantastic season. He was probably – I got into an argument about this last year with Tim Leonard, who unfortunately couldn't be on this podcast. But I got into an argument. I, I do this a lot, Hoppy knows – I used a term that I probably shouldn't have in an argument to describe something and then tried to justify my position. We were talking about who was – Yeah, we were talking about who was 
the best player for Syracuse last year. I said John Gillen. Tim said Tyler Lydon in terms of talent. What I should have said was John Gillen was the most important player for Syracuse last year. He seemed to step up in every big game and always have a a good game when you needed him to. I think that's 100% correct. 100%. He was big. Number three for me, that's National Signing Day. We talked about it. I spoiled it before, so I won't go in too much here. I won't gush about the players too much. But really just great to see this program get big-time guys. Darius Baisley, he's a top-10 recruit in the class of 2018. Looks to fit the zone perfectly. Athletic guy. Excited to see what he can do. But I like your number three, Tyler. That was a good one. NC State. That was right around the time that uh, Tyus Battle hit that buzzer beater at Clemson. Yeah. I want to say really, it was – I think it was a little was before, right? after. Was it they, after? They were right after? next to each other. All those games kind of were right around each other. I think of Virginia, yeah. NC State, Clemson, and maybe even Florida Let's see. State. I'll pull it up. Yeah, that they were all like it was really that middle stretch, the sort of yeah, the right in the middle. middle of ACC so, play. That was so, so they good. went they went a win at home against Wake Forest, then the win against Florida State, which is a dominating game, and I think that that's not going to be in anyone's top that's five, but it easily could have been. Yeah. Then you have the win against NC State win at home against Virginia, and then the Clemson buzzer beater. So, yeah. Yeah, not a bad stretch. That was a stretch. Five wins in a row right there. Yeah, so that's my number three, National Signing Day, a big day for the fate of this Syracuse basketball program in the future. Certainly. My number three, Hoppy, was your number four, Justin Justin Knight, excuse me, winning the national championship, the individual national championship in cross country, an absolutely outstanding performance, a dominant season for Knight. He was unbelievable all the way through 2017. Uh, You know, it's not every day that your school gets to celebrate a national championship, and it's not every day that one individual person gets to celebrate a national championship. My goodness, what a performance from Justin Knight. That's my number three moment this year for Syracuse Sports. Drew's number three also kind of sticks on a signing day, but not basketball. He says... Tommy DeVito stays loyal on National Signing Day after skyrocketing up recruiting boards. That's a good one. I like that. Because he could have. Remember, there was uh, Texas A&M. Texas a and yeah. Ole mm-hmm. Miss. I think Washington State was also trying to poach him, too. Right. But he stuck with Syracuse, and he was very adamant. And it's kind of weird because I feel like DeVito had a very similar attitude as Tyrone Sampson leading up to Signing Day. And then DeVito sticks, Sampson leaves. They're both so pro-Syracuse the entire time. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what Tommy DeVito can do. And there's a good chance we'll see him this year if Eric Dungy gets hurt because that's kind of been the norm now for Dungy to get hurt somewhere around the middle of the season. But when Tommy DeVito comes in, you know, he's going to have some time, the redshirt year this year, whenever he gets the job, whenever he's the guy, because we all expect that to happen. I'm really excited. This kid's been hyped up a lot and he should have some weapons around him and should be an integral part of this Syracuse team taking that next step. All right, so we're down to the final two. I have a feeling all of us have the same top two. But the order order might be messed up. Yeah, I mean, the order could be different, but let's let's go through real quick. Rapid fire round. So my number two is Gillen, the buzzer beater against Duke. That is also my number two. Drew has 
Dino Baber's speech after Syracuse upsets Clemson. So the whole Syracuse beating Clemson, which I think all of us have as number one. Yeah, that's my so, number one. All right, we'll just go bit by bit. We'll, we'll talk about the Gillen, and then we'll talk about uh, What does that Clemson mean, group number one is Gillen? Right, yeah. And then he okay. also says, hmm. honorable mention, Gillen single-handedly beats NC State on the road. Hashtag people forget. I I've got forget I've got like four honorable okay. mentions that I'm yeah, actually yeah, really excited about. Number, but let's All talk right. about these games first. Right, yeah. All right. Let's do Gillen. That was, I mean, that shot's going to live forever. And I think everyone always says half court buzzer beater, but you watch that game. It is not from half court. You watch, he gets at least a step closer every time. Like by the time we're talking about it, it's going to be a 77 to 75 game, not 78 <laughs> to 75, but in like five years. Dude, yeah, uh, I watched he, it the other day. He looks I watched closer it and closer every single time. I watched it the other day, and I was like, "He was that close!" Like, yeah, I was I at that game, but I was like, it up to a friend. I was so confused. I was like, wow, like he's like maybe five feet behind the three point arc. Yeah, he really wasn't. That was probably like a twenty five foot running jumper thing off the backboard. Tyler, were you in the dome for that one? I was not in the dome for that one. Were you? Yeah, yeah, we were both crazy. there. It was absolutely it, wild. Yeah, it was nuts. But I tell you. The biggest thing about that was after that game, you felt, all right, Syracuse, they're in. I mean, you really did. At that point, you really thought that. It was such a great moment. This team had climbed the mountain from their horrid non-conference play, and it all just felt right. Celebrating in the Carrier Dome, John Gillen, it's another buzzer-beater type shot. I mean, what else could you ask for? I mean, what more could you want from that team at that moment? And unfortunately, as we know, does not have a happy ending. But for that moment in time, that play was mm, something else. I Here's remember why calling I think Syracuse missing the tournament sucks so much for Orange fans. It's because of how they won these big games. Like, of course, the Gillen buzzer beater, unbelievable. The comeback against Virginia from down double digits when I mean Virginia's just a team that doesn't give up leads with the way they play. Well, they do and the then, Syracuse. And they do the Syracuse in seemingly every sport. And then the the Florida State game. They dominated that entire game. I think they were up by like 25, 30 points at one point. And, I mean, Syracuse was just by far and away the better team in that game. It wasn't even close. And then it only ends up being 10 points, but it was so much more than 10 points. Just the way they won these games, it felt like a bona fide tournament team. Yeah, that's why missing the tournament for me is the clear number one worst thing to happen for Syracuse, given all that that you just said. I remember calling my mom after the Duke game and like kind of freaking out and be like, I think we can we can actually make the NCAA tournament just kinda of, kinda of, kinda of have to take care of business at the end of the regular season. And and really they after the Duke game they did. They lost to Louisville. They got beat pretty badly. But then they beat Georgia Tech by twenty nine. Like they did all the they Aside from, the NC, uh, aside from the ACC tournament game against Miami, they did pretty much everything that was expected of them, plus the Duke win, plus the Florida State win, plus the Virginia win, plus uh, – is that it? Yeah, plus – and plus, like, yeah. the NC State win was a pretty good one too. So, like, they did everything in their power, and then they just missed it because, because of a committee's decision. And you know what? After the way they performed against – UNC Greensboro and Ole Miss, maybe they shouldn't have made the tournament, but that's a little bit different because uh, they kind of gave up at that point. They kind of said, we don't yeah, care anymore. It's the NIT. Well, so. the team's got to win an, a game in the ACC tournament. They that's still good. haven't done I, it. I it's incredible. This year. I know that's that's got to happen this year for me, and we're a long way away from that, but I can see that coming into play. 
I don't think it's in Brooklyn anymore. I think it's back down in North Carolina. I could be wrong. I believe you're right. That's going to be an even bigger challenge for them. I think it's in Greensboro this year. Uh, so they're going to have to go down there and get a win at some point. I mean, still without a win in the ACC tournament. That's kind of the monkey on the here's, back of that here's the basketball th- team. Yeah, here's the thing with that, though. I think the best... <laughs> The best way to win a game in the ACC tournament is to lose games in the conference. In that's conference what I was play. saying. That's why because I was you got because like Syracuse always gets like the, the eight team buy. They get the right. they're, they're in the top eight of the conference, so they get the buy into the next round, and they don't have to play the the three playing games. Well, or whatever I don't want to play the worst team, I mean, but yeah, you, like you don't games. want a cheap win. But I I thought they were going to get a cheap win in the ACC tournament this year, but I I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. Which is it, it, it's <laughs> this is in such a weird year for Syracuse basketball. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're talking all this, and it's fun to talk about it, but. We're going to learn a lot in ACC play. I mean, all throughout non-conference season, we're sitting here saying, I don't know if this is going to fly against teams in the ACC. Well, we're fixing to find out. Yeah. But, Number one, yeah. let's move on to football. Clemson, Clemson win. 100%. Yes, flip-flopped them, but, I mean, they're – Let's be honest. In any other year, the Gillen is the number one. Oh yeah, but yeah. It, up until the first, the that's first one A one B, but the first ten months win. of the year, it, it, Gillen, or the since February when he hit it, the first so like, so he hit it in February. Then it came. Then the Clemson win came in October. So for seven months of this year, that was far and away the number one moment because I mean, a lot of ours were Justin Knight winning, and he didn't do that until the fall either. The John Gillen buzzer beater dominated Syracuse athletics and all that kind of stuff up until the Clemson and the Justin Knight thing. So, I mean, those are two all-time moments too. Like you got two all-time moments yeah. in, <laughs> really good in one year, which stuff is that wild. Never be forgotten. I mean, really. And you talk about that Clemson game is, is what we're saying is our number one. Like we said, Drew had it flip flop. But when you look at that, I mean, can you, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to fathom. Like if you said, okay, Syracuse is going to win a close game against Duke, there'll be a buzzer beater in the Carrier Dome, you know, you'd lose your mind. But if you said Syracuse is going to beat Clemson and pretty much control the whole game, they did have some injuries, but no reason to look at that. Biggest win for Dino Babers, clearly, and really a win that we hoped they could use to propel themselves. That didn't happen, but still nonetheless a fantastic win and and a better win than a lot of teams had in the country, there's no doubt. Here's my reason. national champion, too. Here's yeah. my reasoning behind the Clemson win being so much better than the Duke win. You look at these two programs, basketball, football. Basketball has at least been relevant and good and made the Final Four and made the NCAA tournament and been a good program in the past couple of years. Football has been garbage since Donovan McNabb left. Yeah, They have been so, so bad at football. So getting that win... Not only does it give you one of the best wins in program history, but it also gives you a little bit of a feeling like, hey, maybe, just maybe, this program's heading in the right direction. Maybe. No. Hey, hey, they still got a whole nother they listen, it's only year three of no, Dino. It's the future, yes, but I I kind of thought like Oh yeah, everybody thought that it was gonna lead them to something. You know, I predicted four wins to start the season. And I remember about that time, and I think I was ridiculed a lot on radio shows and probably some podcasts that we did here for that four win prediction and, you know, humble brag. That's exactly what happened. Oh yeah. But real humble. We, we thought it was going to be six wins. I mean, we really did. Even I would have changed. It should have been six wins. It's ridiculous. It, yeah. It, it was not, they not just collapsed. Oh man. So bad. 
the thing that I think kind of, not to take anything away from it, but you thought, okay, Syracuse goes in and beats Clemson. They're going to be the center of the college football world for the next, like, week or two weeks. And then, like, three other top ten teams all go down in that same, like, the but very they even, next they day. But right. they still but were relevant. I, I've got it up. Washington lost. Um, let's see. Who else lost? Uh, Auburn loses. So two other top ten. Yeah, three top ten teams went down that week. Listen, they were still pretty relevant on the national scene. I mean, they Desmond – Desmond Howard on game day picked picked Syracuse to beat Miami the week after the Clemson. Game. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean they were still nationally they relevant. It's not that they were relevant, but <laughs> they lost it all yeah. and then some, and that's the frustrating part. Night in the Carrier Dome, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's yeah, and I mean that game was just it. Yes, I mean people just tried to take it away from Syracuse too. Kelly Bryant was injured. I mean. This was a design trap game. It, yeah, there's I mean, no doubt about it in my mind. If Kelly Bryant, healthy or not, this was a design trap game. You have Clemson traveling north for a game on a short week, prime time. The game pretty much means nothing to them. This game means everything to Syracuse. And it was I mean, their national the Clemson defense was game. really good. Like they sacked Eric Dungy six times right. in this game. And Dungy still goes out, has three touchdowns. Almost 300 yards. Dante Strickland has a really good game in this one. He has uh, he has the touchdown to on a really nice run. Things just he's got a convoy in this game with or without uh, <laughs> Kelly Bryant. I think this team wins. Well, you talk about it me- being meaningless to Clemson. It, it literally was because now they're still the number one team in the country and they're playing in the semifinals against Alabama for a spot in the NCAA championship game. Yeah. So things worked out okay for uh, Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. I think the crazy thing about this game, we always talk Syracuse, running gun, running gun, running gun, and then you hold the ball for 12 minutes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they did a great that's job how of they closing won that game it out. By, you know, everyone, it seems like a lot of people criticized Dino Babers for halftime adjustments in the first year, and then this year – SU was so much better in the second half than they were in the first half, except for the Wake Forest game. And this was just the complete game. This was the complete game that we saw out of it, and the halftime adjustments were unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. just I, definitely. I got an honorable mention. I just want to get it off my tongue here. I'm, I'm sitting on it, and I can't believe it wasn't. Wait, JD, up. JD, you you can if you have a last thought on Clemson. Give it no, right I'm good. Clemson win was clearly number one on everybody's yeah. list. Should have been. Yeah. I cannot believe that this wasn't one. Jim Beheim handing an opponent a loss oh. for the 1,000th time. Yeah. Was that the Virginia and game? It was a good game, too. I-, I didn't put it in there because it's, like, unofficial. And if you go no, on Fuse.com, it's, it's not in there. Like, it's kind of this weird situation. No, listen, what you said is official. For me. Hold on, hold on. The thing for me is Jim Beheim, like we've said, means everything to this program. He literally built Syracuse basketball. So regardless of what the official statistics say, he has handed an opponent a loss and given the Syracuse fans the joy of a win 1,000 times, which is remarkable. Certainly yeah, even think an underrated moment. I've got, a couple, a, of, I've got a couple of underrated moments here. Game. It was. It was, yeah. yeah. I've got a couple of underrated moments here. My first honorable mention is – Senior day in the Carrier Dome, Andrew White explodes for forty points. That's the goes eight uh, of nine. Did I say the Georgia? Did I? What did I say? Did I say Virginia? 
No, 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 no you, you just said senior, senior day. Oh, yeah, you? the Georgia – okay, yeah. It was the Georgia Tech game. Eight of nine from three. He had an absolutely bonkers game on yeah, senior day. A, a very cool, game. A very cool moment for him. So that's one of my honorable mentions was uh, was Andrew White being able to pull something like that off. My honorable mentions, I had the tiest buzzer beater against Clemson, which we already talked about. And then I also had Justin Knight winning the cross-country title. Drew, honorable mention was Justin Knight, cross-country title. I also had another honorable mention. Yeah, I've still got um, three more. I don't remember the exact – you know what? Here, give yours and then I'll, I'll give mine. This so, doesn't actually really happen to Syracuse, but – for Syracuse fans, Rick Pitino getting canned has to be a top moment because <laughs> everybody hates Rick Pitino. Because well, a former Syracuse basketball assistant coach and yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. and Florida he's just a not connected with Bayheim a little bit. I mean, I don't know how big of a positive that was. It's not really a negative, but he's a not nice person. No, he's not, but he is connected to this program in the slightest way. I've also got on here Sidney O'Hara of the Syracuse softball team. Two-way player, pitched and batted, was second in the country in batting average. So for a Syracuse softball program that's not that great, doesn't get that many wins, that's pretty cool. And then she also had a 1.86 ERA. Uh, so an incredible season for Sydney O'Hara. She's one of my honorable mentions. And my final honorable mention kind of happened here toward the end of 2017. Gabriella Knutson of the Syracuse tennis team, the 17th ranked going into the season, is going to be ranked number 17 in the country for women's singles in tennis. That's a pretty cool kind of moment for, again, not a lot, of, not a sport that gets a lot of attention at Syracuse. You did I your homework, one. I think. Yeah, you yeah, did. I got one, Tyler, I want to go before you because yeah. go for we're it. kind of building up to this moment that you released this one. It, it's and not I, that big. Actually, I guess it's kind of big. Okay, mine's not that big. It's just the whole thought of the SU men's lacrosse team last season. I know we talked about the ups and the downs, but to have that stretch of one-goal games, and they did lose one of them, I think they lost to Army, but they won, I think, six of seven games. by what They were one-goal games, and they won six of those seven. It was really fun because, as we know, in the springtime, once basketball ends, it's kind of quiet. A lot of people love that SU lacrosse team, and they gave us a lot to watch. It was entertaining. I know they probably weren't as good as that number one team in the nation indicated, but still, great stretch there of dramatic endings, and Syracuse won a lot of them. So that's my honorable mention. My last one is Syracuse NC State women's basketball. Alexis Peterson sets the Carrier Dome record for points scored in a game with 45. That's that a was one. an unbelievable game. And she only made Weren't six you calling threes. that game? I was. And Syracuse is down eight going into the fourth. They explode for 31 points in, in a 10-minute quarter. Like, that, that's three points a minute. That, that's unbelievable. And they explode. They win this game by double digits against a ranked NC State team. And Alexis Peterson just goes off. I mean, this was one of the best performances I've seen. She was unbelievable at the free throw line. She, she, I want to say there was a stretch where she made like 10 or 11 straight free throws at the end. And then she was lights out, 45 points. That's more than Carmelo ever scored in the Dome, more than Patrick Ewing more than um, Michael Jordan, anyone, any Syracuse player ever, Derek Coleman, all of them. Alexis Peterson is at the top of that list. Definitely a cool moment for uh, Pistol Pete, as they call her. SU yeah. women's basketball had a couple cool moments. I think they broke the attendance record against, against Notre Dame in 2017. Notre Dame, yeah. Was yeah. It, yeah, like that was cool. I actually went to that game 
as a fan. And it was just kind of cool to see all those fans there in the dome A program that doesn't get enough attention. A lot of good players. I mean, just look what they're doing this season. I think they have two losses to yeah. Mississippi State and Notre Dame, two really good programs. Two top, so, top three programs in the country. Yeah, and the thing is about this team, it's a year early. Like, they've got all this yeah. young talent. It's going to be back next year, and yeah. that's going to be scary. I think they're going to be back up there as one of the best teams in the nation. But right now, a young team that's still winning games. So a lot of bright spots for Coach Q in this season and this year, I should say, even though he did lose to Connecticut, which you know, everybody loses kind of, to Connecticut, except then uh, Mississippi right, State. They kind of get screwed, which is why it was such a bad moment to, to get that early exit. But definitely that's something to talk about. The SU women's team deservably in some of these moments here. I mean, Coach Q doesn't get a, enough credit for what he does with these teams. No, he's, he's an humble, incredible like, coach. He, he is a he defensive is top three coach at, at Syracuse right now. Along with, yeah. uh, I mean, th- there's a lot of really good coaches at Syracuse, but he's in the top three. Uh, it's close. I mean, you've got Chris Fox with the cross country team, who mm-hmm. led them to a national championship. Beheim, Babers, Q. I, I, I think those about are def- Chris Fox and Ange Bradley. Ange Ange Bradley well, with the I mean, with the field hockey team also has if, a national championship. If you think about Chris Fox, though, not to take anything away, but cross country is such an individual sport that a lot right. of that stuff is done like off site. Like, but I, they I don't were know so. How. Like, but the, listen, pretend like I know, but but they we were so bad before he got there. Do he, what now? They were so bad before he got to Syracuse. Right. right. So in terms of bringing people in. And but so, so is Syracuse women's program. basketball. Yeah. No, so no. Q is a – I'm not trying to – I'm not trying to take anything away from Q by including Chris Fox, but I'm just saying a national championship for Chris Fox, a national championship for Ange Bradley. So Q is probably – definitely a top five coach at Syracuse without a doubt. Yeah, Possibly I know the jury's still out on a guy like John Desco. Some people aren't quite all in on him, but the guy just wins. I mean, really, for the most yeah. part. Maybe not so much recently. Early 2000s, winning. this team was, like, unstoppable. Yeah, so you got to respect what he's done. There are some good coaches. I will tell you this. I think John Wildhack has done a great job since he's came in as athletic director at Syracuse. A lot of these programs are on the uptick. They really are. There's no real program. I know soccer was really bad, but – He's kind of. I feel like he's gotten things in order. Listen, even the Ian thing pretty well. I mean, there's a lot to like about what Wild Hack has done. Even Ian McIntyre got his team to a Final Four. The uh, men's men's soccer right. coach two years ago or three years ago. So right, and it's not like he's hired all these coaches, but I think he's made some decisions that have been for the better. And there's a lot of good stuff happening on campus. And that's an honorable mention, I guess, too. The job that Wild Hack has done in 2017. He's been yeah. he's been excellent in a, in a number of ways. No doubt, though, Coach Q, number one in swag. Let's look at the Twitter, <laughs> the Twitter responses. So we put out a Fizz feedback question. What was your favorite Syracuse sports moment of 2017? Of course, there's the chalk, Duke win in basketball, Clemson in football. Justin Knight got a lot of love in this. Yeah, I was surprised. Me too. I'm looking. Let's see. I, I'm going to count them off. So we had 14 total responses. I've got one Justin Knight, two Justin Knights. Um, let's see. Three. Yeah, three Justin Knights out of 14 responses. That's pretty good. Yeah, I would agree. Here's a here's one that I just don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Um maybe it's because I haven't been a Syracuse fan all my life. But somebody put beating Georgetown. I was gonna bring that up. Fantastic yeah. comeback, great win, but 
it's just not there for me anymore. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's not there for it's, a lot of people. Maybe because Patrick, it's not a conference game. Back, but, but like, I, mean, I don't know. I just Jim Bayon just like flat they were like, out coached him at the end. Yeah, it's not like they were like if an incredible like top ten, top five team that they beat in overtime like, after this coming was a bad back. Georgetown team that they barely squeaked by. Yeah. Like, well, after the game too, you heard Bayheim pretty much swat everything down of kind of yeah. the reporters trying to oh make yeah there was good... like oh georgetown su it's back and Bayheim was just he wasn't having that i mean as he, he said so often does with the media he rejected that with support there was a little blurb he had where he said this was a firecracker compared to a bomb and then he went really? on <laughs> and then he went on to say i'm not even sure this is in the same zip code as those other games Probably yeah. not even yeah, the state. It was pretty funny. If you have not it, even up Bayheim post No blood on the floor. Maybe not even uh, the in the same country. Probably not on the same planet. Also, my my hot take from that game, and I was there reporting for the Fizz. It was not a good game. Like that game was good for about three minutes. No, I remember talking to you, Tyler, during that game, asking you how things were going, and I was watching the game, obviously, but you you were like. <laughs> It's tough, man. Like it's such like, a that was such a game. bad basketball game. Like the first half, nobody could score. It was a complete offensive. What was it like struggle. 14, 14, and, 10 minutes in? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I mean that I was fell asleep just, for a bit of that game. And I think a lot of people like, did. Literally, they woke I literally up. fell asleep and woke the up. People and woke like, up oh. and saw Syracuse was back in the game somehow. Like I think I remember you put out happened. you put out a tweet on 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 Orange Fizz and you're like if you got bored with the game and turned it off you might want to turn it back on because it's getting good or something like that. Like you can't call games good like that if something like that has to come out like it was a bad game for a solid 35 oh, 37 minutes good point. It, it was for the most part but the ending was then, just magnificent obviously yeah but even overtime wasn't exciting like Syracuse no, just, just well. dominated and, and Georgia played, played terrible hey, the pace and, and Bayheim just simply outcoached you and it was just it, disjointed. That's all it was down the stretch the whole game was just so disjointed and the Syracuse, fact that Syracuse could have easily won in in regulation they missed like three shots on the final possession yeah, Frank exactly. Howard had a layup to win and just just blew it. And then Moyer gets a huge rebound, and then I can't remember. I think Howard took a three or something too. Yeah. Anyways, um, this is the really interesting one that we got from Twitter, and I would have never thought of this. And this is why Twitter's great because you get stuff like this. Bayheim's Army second half miracle comeback in the basketball tournament last summer. I believe that was in Baltimore. Kevin Belby does a great job with that, and uh, this. This tweet comes from at RockFallon6. Awesome find because that was an exciting game. That was awesome. I remember kind of following that game casually on Twitter because I was away from the TV and just seeing that they came back from, it was down like 20 or 30 points. And you figure a a bunch of guys playing in a a tournament that, yeah, there's money involved, but it's pretty meaningless. But these guys actually playing an unreal second half to pull off this this comeback unbelievable it gets the Bayheim tweet like Bayheim doesn't tweet a lot but he tweets about this and i thought that was awesome just to see all the support that, that kind of moment, came for sure. that, for, was for cool. i remember i was in florida on vacation for that game and i went out to eat with my buddies and i was like you know i asked somebody can you put the whatever the channel the game was on i was like can you put it on and all of a sudden, it was like whatever it was, and I was like, "Oh, get that off!" And then, 
Then I looked at Twitter and they were, I was it was like they're coming back and I was like, um, excuse me, can I can I have that game back on, please? Um, it, it was definitely a, a cool comeback. Uh, you know, it, it, like you said, Ty. It, it, I mean, doesn't really mean much, but it's it was definitely a cool moment seeing guys like Rick Jackson and Eric Devendorf and uh, Dante Green and, and guys like that kind of um, have a good game and have a good fun win for a team representing the Syracuse program. And so I've got the numbers up right now. Jim Beheim has tweeted from his official account 153 times. And this one, one of the best comebacks in Orange history. I didn't even have to speak to the officials once. Beheim's army oh, onto the basketball tournament final four. Incredible That's stuff. That's a classic Beheim tweet, I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised, but. It's clever, well cool. thought out. Yeah. honor the name that, uh, the team rather, that has your name to it. So, yeah. Pretty good from him and good from that team. Kind of provide some fun. A lot of great moments for Syracuse basketball. I mean, it's a shame. Like, I can't believe that we're sitting here talking about all these moments and we're and talking about a team year. that missed the tournament. I mean, that's kind of, you know, yeah. baffling. But we all know about 2016, the, the second half of 2016, and what that meant to the SU basketball program and why we're not talking about any tournament games right now. All right. Let's look forward now to 2018. And since we've been going for a little while, let's keep it short. Just one big thing you're looking forward to in 2018. Jonathan, I'll start with you. Yeah, it's really simple, Tyler. Can SU make a bowl game? That's what I'm looking. It's all about that. SU basketball, we know they're going to be good. Got some recruits coming in. It's going to be a fun season. They might make the tournament this year. But I'm already looking to football. Can they make the tournament? That's what everyone wants to know. Can Dino Babers win a game after the bye week? Those kind of things. Can they win more than four? Can Eric Dungy stay healthy? I think there are so many storylines for this SU football season coming up, depending on the recruits and how they play out later in February. And if we get Tyrone Sampson, someone like that, it's going to be interesting, but that's what I'm looking for. Dino Babers always hypes it up. It's put up or shut up time. Get to that bowl game or win four games again, and people are not going to be happy. Yeah, the thing I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to basketball season. Um, I'm looking forward to the end of this season, the season we're currently in, kind of, you know, what is this Syracuse team? We've seen them been able to compete with some real, some pretty good teams, and we've seen them beat some pretty bad teams. So now moving forward with ACC play, we're going to see this Virginia Tech game kind of uh, play itself out. Then we're going to see them go against the likes of uh, the Dukes and the Carolinas of the world. So I'm interested to see where that goes in 2018. Then I'm also interested and how things are going to go with the class of 2018 with Darius Baisley and Buddy Bayheim and uh, Jalen Carey. I'm going to be interested to see if O'Shea Brissett decides to make the leap, makes a Malachi Richardson-type decision and decides to go to the NBA maybe before he's ready. I'm excited to see what this Syracuse basketball team can be in 2018 because I think it could be something pretty special. Mine is actually going to kind of directly piggyback off of JD. I originally had what is O'Shea Brissett going to do after this season because I'm in the camp that believes he could very well go one and done. It's, it's possible. Like it's, it's certainly because possible. The one thing that's missing is a jump shot, and they can teach you that in the pros. My my big thing, though, the first time Betty, Buddy Beheim steps on the court, that reception is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be super cool. I think that's going to be the coolest moment of the Syracuse basketball season. And the only thing that could top it 
is the hug between Buddy and Jim if they won a national championship together. Oh, that would be sick. Like that is, that'd be something. That that's just a like that's why, I mean, Bayheim's extending to stay with Buddy. Buddy comes to Syracuse. It has to happen, right? Like, there's no way it doesn't happen. It's too perfect. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a way it doesn't happen. It, right, it, but it would be th- nice. there's no way it doesn't happen. Like, it has to happen at some point. And th- this seems like the, you're saying the way it's to fate. Do it. You're like, saying this it's is fate. It. You've you've got Baisley for a year. You've got a stud recruit, and you've got some very nice surrounding pieces. I mean, I don't see them winning the national title or anything, but they could be really good. Maybe win an ACC. Hey, maybe win an ACC title, like a tournament title. Yeah. They still get to cut down the nuts. That's still kind of cool. Let's win a tournament game first before we start talking about it. Anyway, yeah. You know, know, we like to look forward. We like to look positive here at the Fizz. Clearly. Clearly we do. All right. I think that does it for us. Any last thoughts on 2017 before we kick it to the curb? <laughs> that was fun. I got to tell you, there was a lot to talk about. I mean, it really didn't feel like this was dragging on at all. There's a lot of content about 2017, and I think we touched all of it. But 2018 is going to be fun. Got a good basketball team. SU football, like I said, put up or shut up. And that's going to make for a lot of interesting things. And as always, lacrosse is relevant. There's a lot of storylines heading into this next year. And can't wait to cover it with you guys. And our listeners and all of our readers out there, we appreciate clicking over to orangefizz.net. It's been a fun year and going to be an even better one in 2018. Yeah, certainly looking forward to uh, doing a lot of great things with Orange Fizz. You know, we're definitely heading in the right direction in terms of the kind of content we're putting out and the kind of talent we have on staff. So can only move up from here in 2018. So very much looking forward and obviously wanting to wish a happy and healthy new year To all of our listeners, all of our readers, uh, let's hope 2018 is, for everybody, a really special year. Yeah, I'm going to pretty much echo everything you guys said. 2017 was awesome. I think 2018 is going to be even better for Syracuse sports. That does it for J.D. Rauchy and Jonathan Hoppe. I'm Tyler Aki signing off right now. Thanks so much for listening. Again, be sure to check us out everywhere on social media by searching Orange Fizz. You can find us Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. Get us on the iTunes Podcast Center for this entire episode and more episodes like this. As always, we thank you guys, the listener here on Fizz Radio and the Fizzcast. We thank you so much for spending your 2017 with us, and we're hoping for great things in 2018. Have a safe and happy new year, Orange Nation.